Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds Podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music. Be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. To be three fucking times to say that right. Coming up for this week's show, we have album reviews from Emigrate, The Story So Far, Vola and Thrice, as well as the first time ever for a new segment I'm calling Open Mic Night, which is really, really shit for a name, but it's the best I could come up with. And for Open Mic, we are looking, well, I say we, I am looking at Priestess's album prior to The Fire, released in 2011? No, maybe. Probably should remember that. Uh, but first, as ever, the news. So, started with Korn. Korn have announced that they have already recorded, or already recording, vocals for the next album. Jonathan Davis is already in studio, putting down his um skedaddles. Um, and the only thing they've said towards a new release is that it's coming out this autumn, or this fall, if you are from the United States of America. I I don't know why the Americans call it fall. It seems really odd. It, I, a joke I had a few years ago, it's just because leaves fall down. If that's true, be ashamed. Uh, Maynard James Keenan of Tool fame, and as well as Perfect Circle and Pussifier. Pussifier? Pussifer. Well, I don't know why I've always thought there's an extra I in there. Uh, Keenan has said that he has completed recording his vocal parts for Tool's widely anticipated, and almost annoyingly so now, fifth studio album. He's confirmed it in a tweet because it's the current year and that's what people do now. And yeah, also out of that, Pussifer will have a new album out in, well, just new material in 2020. Uh, the tweet is, update, final vocals tracked months ago. Then US, UK, Euro, with a perfect circle. If Tool, oh fuck, if Tool are all, Tool all inst are tracked. I don't know what that means. If Tool, all inst are tracked, long process of mixing now. Meanwhile, write, film, track with Pussifer for Pussifer 2020 and troll the F- troll band Facebooks with wine post. Hashtag funny shit. Hashtag while you were whining, I was working. Sounds like a right cunt, doesn't he? I've tried, like, admittedly, I've never, like, gone in a Tool album. I feel like I should do it. It's on my musical do list, but the more... I like find out about Mayor James Keenan the more I hear about him what he's like. Sounds like a bit of a prick. Just genius is often clashing with the norms, I guess. Um, news that I am looking forward to though, Oathbreaker have announced that they will be releasing new music this year for the as part of the Adult Swim single series. As long uh, as long as along with vinyl represses of their I think it was a second album, Rhea. Uh, the fucking Rhea was a fantastic album. It came out 2017. Before everything I said about Mole in my albums of the year, and everything everyone keeps saying about uh, Death Heaven as well, they are the best of both of those type of bands. Just mashed into one with a bit more, more like a cross punk feel to it. It is so fucking good. And it's quite good to see that they are coming back because after the release of Rhea, they sort of said, we're going to take a break. I think just on like they decided to like just being burnt out. But the interest, the key thing that everyone took away from it is we don't know if we're going to come back, which, you know, you, you get most people saying we're just going to go for a break, like recharge the batteries. We'll be back soon. This was a case of we don't know if we can come back. We are just fucking struggling. But it's really good to hear that they're doing new music. Uh, Adult Swim singles can be quite hit and miss. Uh, the Baphomet song, uh, well, Baphomet by Zelenada, that was an okay song. And they did Atlanta by Mastodon. I thought that song was pretty boring. But the swim, the single series that they did as like compilations a few years back, they were they were always quite good. They had Waves on there. They had. Uh, I can hear the songs in my head. I can't think of the names because there's all, a lot of like indie stuff in there that've all got like stupid names. But hey ho, um, Oathbreaker hopefully or will be releasing new music. Hopefully, new album on the way. And last but not least, Charles Barker sent Tom DeLong a nude for Christmas because if you even look at Blink One Eight Two too long, you don't age. Uh, in terms of new music, 
Uh, Perfect Circle have released an acoustic version of A Quick Fix that is going in part with their acoustic EP due some point this year. And Bring Me Horizon have released Medicine, which is part of the Ammo album out uh, 25th of this month. Uh, for So I really liked Mantra. It reminded me a lot of like the more rockier side of That's a Spirit, so I'm thinking of Drown and Throne and Happy Song and that kind of thing. And I thought Mantra was a really good progression from that because it was a little bit more, even, me, even more refined again. Um, looking back, I think That's a Spirit. They wanted to do a lot, like try and like just, it almost felt like they were forcing the more pop stuff into it. With Mantra, I felt like it was a better like, uh, meeting of the two, I guess, and then Beautiful Life sort of carried on that a lot more rockier things to it, and yeah, they sort of like balanced the pop and the rock quite well. And then Medicine came out, and I think someone described it very well when they said it was like an edgy Maroon Five, which is fucking spot on. It's such a boring, drab song. With a mildly interesting video. And yeah. I think it's just going to be. That's the spirit 2.0. And it's not bad for someone who looks like H&M. Literally took a shit. Considering he keeps saying. Rock music is now boring and stagnant. And rap is where it's all about to be. Dickhead. In terms of new albums out this week. Well. New albums for me to review I should say. There's not much. Is the professional way I can put that. Basically, everyone still know Crimbo holidays or just chilling out or relaxing or just carrying on working on stuff that's coming out later this year or next year or whatever. So I've mostly just been doing, I've been playing catch up quite, um, if I'm honest. So I've got uh, four albums throughout the course of 2018 that were on my to listen list for a long time. For whatever reason, I just never got around to it. I'm a busy man. I'm not. I just pretend to be so I look interesting. First one I'm going to look at though is a band called Emigrate. But their third album is called A Million Degrees. Uh, they are like an alternative industrial German rock band. And it's a side project of the guitarist of Rammstein, Richard Z. Krusp. I did the role in the art. I hope I've done that right. Uh, so... When I found that um, Richard had a side project, I went into it at their second album. It had it wasn't self-titled; it was the first one. But it's the second album, and I was expecting like, yeah, it's Rammstein 2.0. It's not bad at all. Rammstein, I think it'd be unfair to say a one-of-a-kind type band because the Ludwigshafter, or however you pronounce German, that movement of oomph. And KMFD. That's right, isn't it? KMFD. The ones that got blown for Columbine. That sort of scene. It's known for like the big, hard industrial metal sound. And but it's just Rammstein managed to do it so well that it appealed to a much broader audience. But either way, I was still expecting like Rammstein 2.0. It's very much not that. This is a chance. This project is a chance for Richard to sort of experiment more. Experiment more on guitar, if nothing else, because his as big as his riffs sound on Rammstein, they are often quite. I don't want to say basic. That's mean, but they are not a groove metal band, so to speak. They are not a band known for intense technical riffage if that is a word so yeah emigrate was a chance to um sort of like fall a little bit more go not 100 percent softer but just like go more rocky terrains and this album itself has a lot of like 80s goth rock post-punk vibes uh, i think that is down to the fact he's got quite an old school style voice and i can't think of another way of describing it, it feels like it would sit well in the sort of mid to late 80s with like a, just a wall of weird synths going on in the background which this album has a lot of um the excuse me on a song like lead you on it's got 
uh, guest vocals from a yet lovely young lady called Margot Bossio. Hope I pronounced that right. Talk to her, talk about her a little bit more in a bit. Um, and the, the balance between her quite, almost quite haunting vocals on the verses, and then he comes in with the most Rammstein-esque chorus of the song, and he sort of like goes like a bit. Like deepens his voice a little bit, but it's not quite Till because Till is four octaves below the known universe. And then, when you get to a song like "You Are So Beautiful," it is very eclectic, electro rock, and it's a little bit floaty. And yeah, so it's a chance for him to like do a little bit more with his music- musicianship. Uh, he's got quite an interesting like cast of guests on the album so i mentioned before um margot it is well she is cruz Cruz i'm I'm gonna just call him richard because i don't know if i'm pronouncing his last name right she is richard's partner uh she is formerly of a punk band called dirty mary now currently of a a rock just i think it's an indie rock band called slipping away she was on lead you on like i said very she's got quite like a it's not haunting the same way as Chelsea Wolf or Mirko or something like that, but just it sort of like cuts through you a little bit in a good way. Um, then you've got Ian Desar and Ben, I can't pronounce your last name, from Billy Talent for the song. Um, I'm going to call it 1234 because I feel like I butchered the German language enough today. And it's a weird one. So it sounds like a full on pop punk pop punk song just interluded with this massive industrial riff just before the chorus or like they're in the pre-chorus bit and yeah it's quite bizarre to hear a man so associated with the like big industrial metal sound and even on this as, although it's like a lot of toned down from Rammstein it is still in that industrial bubble for lack of a better word this is just a straight up pop punk song. It's a good one. Um, ben does a really good job on it. I've, I've always liked um, Ben as a bill. Excuse me, Ben as a vocalist. So it was always going to be. And I think it's a lead single as well, which I thought was quite brave on Grinch's part. And then you've got kind of the obvious one outside of Marco. You've got Till Lindemann from Rammstein. He's on this really big um, synth heavy gothic song um, which surprisingly is not the most Rammstein sounding song on the album but it's a very again this album drowning in like gothic uh, themes and sounds like coming straight from the 80s and you've got his very low rumble again just bouncing through and finally you've got Tobias Forge or Cardinal Copio wherever he's going by these days from Ghost and he's on a song called I'm Not Afraid, which is just a very, very, very standard industrial rock song. That's pretty much all I took from it. Um, Rammstein Die Hard may struggle, like I said, I kind of did when I first listened to him back in the back into the day. Um, my first song from them was a song called New York City, and it is very much an industrial rock song. It's nothing. It sounds very, very minimally like Rammstein. The song Spitfire literally has... Um, like a pop, like na 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 na. I feel like OG Ramstein diehards might not appreciate the na 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 na's. Dangerously, dangerously close to My Chemical Romance territory there, and it is a lot more restrained, like I said, to Ramstein with its old. It's got such more of an old school rock kind of sound to it, and it's got. Like I've mentioned about his guitar playing on this. It is a lot more hook-driven, I guess, for a lack of a better term. It's got a little, little guitar bits here and there. I can't really describe it very well without being a guitarist, but it just feels like because of his project and he can do whatever he likes, but he he is. He's just having a lot more fun on the guitar, and he can put in a lot more like weird and wonderful riffs in there, which he couldn't usually use on Ramstein. And with that in mind, it is quite a fun little album. For someone, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the old school rock sound. But, like I said, the, his voice is very, very interesting. His guitar playing, the fact that he can, like, 
expand a little bit more. It's just, um, it's just it just keeps you going basically. Hide and seek has a fucking great chorus, and it's got him at his best vocally. Um, it's just this big uh, shout at the start of the chorus, and it slowly goes into him like more like calm sing and just keep bouncing between that and the beat throughout the verse is a really really good song and then you got one two three four it's an interesting one for me because for me whenever you get like a big because i'll say this face it ramstein pretty big when you get like a big artist like that who goes off and does do a solo album away from the main big band you always kind of feel like this is his thing to do and then he's just going to bring in mates and say just sing this part or play this part or do what you want Whereas with one two three four, it actually feels because of how like pop punk it is, it feels like he brought Ben and Ian in and said, "Come on, let's all write a song, guys. Power of friendship and all that shit." And yeah, I just think this is it. Wouldn't none of the albums I'm gonna go for today would have hit top twenty territory, but for what it is, it's a really fun album. This, if you liked, what can I compare? It? What was I comparing it to? If you remember Device, which is a tall, tall ask. It was the side project of David Draymond from Disturbed. Uh, like again, like I said, he, as much as he was pretending it wasn't an industrial rock album, which it really was. Um, I find a lot of like comparisons are there. Obviously, different kind of vocalist because David Draymond is quite unique in his vocal approach. I found more latter-day Rob Zombie. Again, vocals different, but musically, I feel like there could be a lot of comparisons to this. And uh, one of my favorite albums from a couple of years back was uh, Dreamcar, which was the super project, super group project between Davey from AFI and the rhythm section, basically everyone that wasn't Gwen Stefani from No Doubt. They met together to get this AE synth-back alt rock band, alt rock album. It was fucking great, and yeah. If you listen to that, I think, or if you've already had a referral, which is unlikely because barely anyone listens to it. If you like that, you like. I reckon you can go for this, and yeah, be a good, a good crossover. Don't know why, but I'm really forgetting to breathe every time I do one of these at the moment. Um, cool. So moving on to album number two, it is the fourth album from the story so far. Uh, it's called Proper Dose. They are an American pop punk band who kind of were part of that early 2010 or 2010s pop punk renaissance if you will um along with like neck deep and the one years and that kind of thing and i was always they're always around where i had heard of them i never really went into them for i think like with many people i sort of fell out of love a bit with pop punk when it got a bit too all-time low and like I said, bands like Neck Deep won the years story so far. They sort of like started bringing it back and gave it a bit more legitimacy and made it a bit more listenable. After the last album, which Nate, I think it was the yeah, self-titled last one, the story so far frontman, I can't remember his name. I remember it just being very California. We'll call him Brandon. Uh, Brandon basically said he had to, he just had to step away. He went kind of recl recluse, excuse me. And yeah, I think it was down to, like, I, I feel bad if this isn't right, but I feel like I have read this. I think it was down to, like, pressure being the band, substance abuse, X, Y, Z. I think it is, now that I say that out loud, it is more substance abuse based on, like, the lyrics of the song, which I'll talk in a bit. I should read my notes before I do this. And, yes, yeah, so this is good. It's a mild comeback album for Story So Far, and it's nice to have pop punk album out and out pop punk album that doesn't sound like the audio equivalent of angel delight there's a lot of edge to it you can see where the quote-unquote mainstream outlets will like this as well as all like the more straightforward punk outlets will like this it's super catchy really really um like parts of the song are quite um earwormy uh at least as I was writing this, at least for the first half, because it kind of like does sort of like split away from itself towards the end, which we'll get to. And in my opinion, which is not something I say a lot, my favorite part 
well, favourite parts of this album are the ballads. Which, pop-punk ballads are notoriously known for being utter tripe. But Take Me As You Please is a really haunting, like, he's got a really cool, like, haunting echo on his vocals. Yeah, if you take away the, like, what he's actually singing about, just, like, the, his the vocal execution and the actual music playing, it sounds like a campfire song where everyone's roasting marshmallows and it's all a bit lovey-dovey and happy and it's kind of disgusting. But it's a really, really fun song for a ballad. So with Upside Down, it's a really floaty, really chilled, laid-back folk rock song. And the song, If I Fall, sort of blends that like acoustic balladry, which... Again, not usually what you go for in a pop punk album with the more traditional upbeat sort of stuff to sort of like a mix of the two ends, I guess. So yeah, the first half of the album, really, really interesting. Really, really like pop punk. Um, Keep This Up is a very like clean, very clean, very positive sound in pop punk wrong, um, pop punk song. But whereas everything is like musically quite upbeat, quite happy sounding, so fucking dreadfully dreary. And it is all about why he did take that time away all about the self-medication and it's got some really good um like vocal lines to it so you got the song out of it where it's got my i fucking love this lyric my appropriate opiate oh fuck how does he sing this my appropriate opiate has me out of it that was really hard this is the first time i've tried to say that fucking nerd and the title track, Proper Dose, I defy the Proper Dose because I'm alone and I don't care. Which is just... Oh, it's dark, isn't it? It's just not a fun time. But, that's kind of what Pump Punk's all about, is it? Like, I hate my friends, I want to move away from my hometown because it's boring. But mind you, let's all hang out and eat pizza around my house. Kind of thing. And then when you get to... I think it was like track 6, tracks 5 it vastly becomes a much more alternative rock-esque album. You've got a song like Lion, which is full of electronics and quite laid back and chilled. Growing lo- um, growing On You, sorry, is like a floaty synth-back ballad, which isn't as great as the other ones. And yeah, it just it sort of like deteriorates away and becomes more of the, the kind of alt-rock sort of thing that a lot of other pop punk bands have done and it is super dangerous territory so you've got bands like paramore and that's just that one of the years who have done that who were like a pop punk band who decided to like start moving away and becoming more of like an alt rock sort of radio friendly band and then you got all time low which managed to do it for an audience do it quite well for me i don't like it at all Good Charlotte did it for a bit on cardiology and it fucking bombed. And then you got Fallout Boy, which you can fucking fuck off. It is. It has been done, but it's every time they do it, it's always a case of. Um, Mar- but it's Marmite music. So, one of these is a really good example. One of the podcasts that I listen to, it's hosted by a couple of guys. One person said the Sister Cities by one of the years because it is a lot more of an emo album as opposed to a pop punk he said it was the most disappointing album of 2018 for him whereas his one of his co-hosts said it was it was in his top 20 for albums of the year because it was so good it's very much and my opinions on fallout boy are not hidden so yeah it's dangerous territory and i think what it did the final song light years sort of blends the alt rock of the seventh, uh, second half and the pop punk of the first half and what sort of brought them here and sort of like combine it together to try uh, it doesn't feel like they're trying to cover all bases but it's kind of what it looks like and yeah it's just for that kind of like style of music it is you are you are always going to split your audience and it's not the worst i've ever heard i'm really i'm a sucker for one of the years so i wouldn't even say it's the best one i've ever heard but it's still a very interesting album like I said, for whatever reason, I really, really enjoy the ballads of the song. And out of it, yeah, that appropriate, appropriate line is fucking great. I think if you are a fan of, if you are a fan of Paramore and what they did going from like pop punk into more like, um, 
I wouldn't go as far as to say After Laughter. The album, the self-titled, I don't think there was one in between self-titled and After Laughter, but yeah. I think if you really enjoyed Paramore's self-titled album, I think you really go for this. Because it is that like fine line, or like you can see where they are starting to bridge that gap between what they've done before and what After Laughter end up becoming. Uh, same again for Blink-182, if people were a big fan of Neighbourhoods, which... I think a lot of people like me, they were fans when it first came out, and then when they sounded a bit more, and then eventually when California came out, it was a case of, it's not as good as, it's not as, good as I thought. Tom DeLong is a bit of a nutcase. And a more modern comparison is Forever Came Calling. Forever Came Calling, which is a really good um, pop-punk band who are so on the line between the all-time low and the OG story so far sound. It is unreal, but yeah. Blame it to Paramore, Forever Came Calling. That was Proper Dose by the story so far. Cool. Right then, on to album three. And it is the second album from the Danish, Swedish, somewhere in between. Uh, progressive metal borderline gent band Vola and it's called Applause of a Distant Crowd there's the follow up to In Mazes came out 2015 I'm not sure it came out a few years ago and it was one of those albums where when it first came out I feel like it kind of got missed and then either a certain publication or a re-release sort of turn everyone's minds back onto it and that's when everyone thought oh shit it's actually really really good and i really enjoyed it as well it was it experimented with the traditional gent tropes um so i would describe in mazes as a more gent album especially recently when i went back and listened to it the riffs on songs like or the two lead songs which were Straight of Sky and The Same War, I believe they were called. The riffs in that are very borderline sludgy, but that's just because it's just a heavy impact that they've gone for with their with the more heavy end of their gent bass guitars. But I feel like the entire time through the album they made sure to at least try and defy its identity. They didn't want to be a gent band, they wanted to be a they did want to be seen as a progressive metal band or at least have the album seen as a progressive metal album and because you had like the heavy riff trade-off between the guitars and the synths the synths do play a, such a key part in that album and applause of a distant crowd of a distant crowd sort of carries on this it is a lot more reserved i'll describe this more as a prog rock album as opposed to metal uh the lead singles the first song i heard of it was ghosts which was a very, it was a really cool song. It's very chilled, very synth back, almost a touch of the post-rock in there. I know post-rock gets attached to pretty much every album at the moment, but the chorus in it and some of the riffs in there, it was very like wall of sound um, ambient sort of stuff. And it was super promising. It was not as heavy as anything on in mazes, but a really fun song to start off with and then smart smart friend came out which was the uh, second single initially i wasn't too keen on this one and it's sort of because i was gonna like pre-order the album when i heard smart friend i was on the line of maybe i should maybe i shouldn't kind of thing because money is scarce and i'm poor as fuck and most because it was a weird the verses on it, I'll have like this weird rap execution for the vocals and are borderline industrial at times. And yeah, the verses sort of, they were a lot more reminiscent of like the lower cuts of In Mazes. And in the end for me, it was saved by the chorus because the vocalist, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, Asger Maigind. I've been to that part of the world. It's very hard to tell when a G is supposed to be pronounced like a G or a Y. But I'm going to go with Asgamagind. 
he's got such a strong voice to him. It is unreal. And to, po to the point where he can say, a song like Smartphone, which I was completely writing off after listening to the first verse, when he came in the chorus and put his, like, went back to his, like, big, broad voice, it was a case of, okay, maybe wait for the album which is you what you should always do you should never judge a, an album by like the first couple of songs everyone does it it's annoying but I, don't, I suppose we shouldn't i do it all the time and yeah but it, it got me more hyped for the new viola album and so when you heard so you got ghosts and you got smart friends i have was wondering like which ends it going to go now is it going to be more uh ghosts where it is a more refinement from the first album or is it gonna be like smart friends where it's got this weird experimental uh, veil over it end up going more towards the ghost side of things even the heavier songs have those like post-rock segments in there you got a song like Ruby Pool which is almost entirely piano led and it's like a jazz beat backed post-rock song which are two genres that shouldn't really go together but it is a real laid-back very chilled song and the music is really interesting on certain parts of this album like uh vertigo whenever well when you listen to the songs vertical and still on headphones vertigo sort of it sounds like he's just in your head which is very 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 unsettling and then again we're still because again it's for a while it's isolated as him and then the um it's hard to tell if it's like a bass riff or a low end like genty kind of riff in the background but it just sounds like he's like right in your ear and i'm basically doing the same to the microphone forgetting there's like a thing in the way so i can't actually go up to the microphone but still it is very much just it's an interesting bit. I won't say it's weird because I, I feel like if you say it's, something's weird, it's not good. It's an interesting kind of sound of it and not one that I really picked up on when I was listening to it on speakers. So I des desperately recommend that you listen to it, especially Vertigo and Still on um, headphones. Like decent headphones, if you can. And I actually, again, it must be, it might be, oh fuck, like my phone again. It might be the age because everything I said about the ballads in. Uh, the story so far album it's kind of the same for this I prefer the more I keep hitting the microphone every which way this thing's huge I really prefer like the lighter ends of this so the post rocky stuff is where they can be a lot more creative um, they can do they can have like the more interesting riffs they can have that better uh, contrast and duality between the synths and the guitars and overall, I think they can just have better ideas, or they just have better ideas when it is the more prog rock or post rock kind of stuff. When they try to go back to the OG, like, gent kind of sound, and like the heavier end of things, it seems like they're pulling it in to fill a quota that everyone else is telling them to do. Which is understandable, like, you, as much as music fans want, I. Well, as much as music bands want to make whatever they want to make, they always have to have like that kind of one ear out for what fans want, because that way they make money. Which is a sad reflection on the music business, I believe. I think if you are into the world of prog, um, prog rock, you will hopefully know of all these bands. But if you are interested in Vola, I think the best like the recommendation to go for Vola is if you enjoy... Leprous, which I've talked about a couple times before, really, really big fan of them. Tesseract, their album Sonder, I think sits in the same realm as this. Very post-rock filled, um, prog metal and prog rock. And Devon Townsend, when he was doing a Devon Townsend band, I think Project is a little bit too all over the place. He's got an album like uh, Ghost, which is a very ambient um chilled back post-rock kind of album and then you've got a song like deconstruction which is an out and out almost death metal album i think with devon townsend band though it was a case of he was he had a more straightforward 
progressive metal sound and although he does have that wall of sound to back it it's not to the same level as his as project and i don't know much about when he was just doing devon townsend so that was my recommendations leprous tesseract devon townsend band any of them go for vola applause of a distant crowd tea break again I didn't press pause this time. I'm very sorry. So you might have heard me go gwelp. Which I know from listening to other podcasts is the worst part. And I apologise. Cool. Time for this week's... Well, we'll call it a main event. And it is a staggering album 10. I did not realise these guys have been going for this long. It is album 10 from Thrice. And the album's called Palms. If you're not familiar with Thrice, they've been going a while. And there's a good chance you would have heard some of their music before. They are like an, ex- an American experimental post-hardcore, uh, post-hardcore band. Ooh, they became, they got roped in with a sort of sound as Alexis on Fire and I cannot remember the name. But they sort of got that like new breed of post-hardcore that came out in late 90s, early 2000s. And I feel like everyone from that sort of era has sort of branched out a bit. So the reason why I say you've probably heard of a Thrice song before is you've had all of it. Like the cult album for them is Vaisu. And that had Image of the Invincible. Image of the Invisible, sorry. Invisible or Invincible? I can't remember. It's a good song. Um, it got put on a lot of video games. It got a lot of traction on TV. And it's a big dramatic post-hardcore song then they did the is it art of alchemy index or index of alchemy and art which was two double albums based on four key elements so it was earth wind fire and water and the big song from then the song that first got me familiar with thrice was come all you weary which was like a low-end arty folk rock song which was fucking great. I love that song. I still listen to it quite a bit. And everyone was like, I never, it never got further than that for me, if I'm honest. And I saw that it split up, and I was like, oh well, never mind. Saw that it reformed, and saw that they released the album "To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere." I thought of like, I'll give it a bash. I'm a little bit older, so I dedicate a bit more music, music, dedicate a bit more time to music these days, anyways. Let's give it a bash. And I thought that album was really, really good. Excuse me. Um, you had songs like Blood in the Sand and Black Honey. They were strong, really catchy post-hardcore anthems. They still had the experimentation that they were starting to like really, really get into towards the tail end of when they before they split up. But it wasn't to the end of the Alchemy Index or whatever it was called. They were still melodic post-hardcore songs where everyone just shone through on it um so yeah this is their second album since reforming and like i said it's called palms the first song released of it was called the gray and for whatever reason it just was not as immediate for me i feel like for it appealed more to like the old school diehards of uh, thrice because it had the opening riff on it was very much I don't want to say technical because I don't think it's the wrong word, but it's very. I don't even know what the right word is. It just, it felt like it came from a '90s or early 2000s post-hardcore album. It's quite dissonant, even though it had like very, like Dustin's quite. I want to say again. I don't want to say reserved, but quite like pulled back, vocals on it. And see, so, yeah, when I first heard it, I was like, mm, it's not as good as pretty much anything on ever to be everywhere but if i eventually came around to it and again like i said about the vola album and anger i think his name was gone already asger even better as much as i was saying about asger and the vola album where it's a case of the vocalist sort of definitely eventually brought around for me uh dustin kensrew on from thrice is a he is so underrated as a vocalist and like for for me to go on about uh, the guy from Vola, fair enough, it's a new band. Many people might not be aware of them. Thrice is on album ten, and any song you hear about 
like the best vocalist in hardcore or rock or whatever. I don't think I've ever heard Dustin Kendrew attached to any sort of list like that, and it's fucking unfair because the power he has in songs like A Branch in a River and The Grey, it's he's just so good, and he was complimented really well. He did a song on here called Just Breathe. He's with Emmerich Rundle, who is a post-rock musician who had a really good album last year. She's got like quite a haunting vocal line on the album and he sort of like he compliments her because he can go from like the very powerful like gritty sounding notes to the more reserved calm quite delicate notes as well so he's come a long way since um, the early part which i went back to and listened to this and yeah the progression and puberty that he's gone through to get here is really really great the rock parts of this album are phenomenal it shows off dustin's voice the bass sounds fucking filthy on just throughout the album, but on the chorus of Only Us and pretty much everywhere around A Branch in the River, it's just, oh, it's almost sludge metal style, just damn dirty and filthy. God, it's good. And then you, again, the song The Grey has got a chance for the, car, uh, the guitarist to show off as well because he's got a little, a lots of little uh, hooks and riffs in there as well. The parts where it becomes a bit more experimental, they go like they bring back more of those more of those parts into the album. It's more experimental. Dare I say it's a little bit more poppy? Not out and out more like if it's going to be if you describe any parts of the song as pop, it is you've got to attach that experimental label to it somewhere. Um, they, they are a little bit hit and miss. Blood on Blood is like an upbeat folk rock song which is really good and it basically just cock slaps everything that Ed Sheeran has done and what I said before about Emma Ruth Rundle on Just Breathe the trade off on that is great but then you've got a song like The Dark which is just a floaty alt rock song that sounds like it's just floating away and then Everything Belongs sounds like Coldplay it just there's no thing with that it just sounds like a Coldplay song if you like Coldplay you might really like that song I'm not the biggest fan so I think it's kind of a bit meh but it's insanely catchy and it would get a shit ton of play on the radio if it was like the lead single but then at the same time if it was the lead single not the grey diehard thrash fans would absolutely lose their mind and Whilst I understand the lineage that Thrice has carved over the, God, I don't even know how they got, 20 years I think I saw them going for, which makes sense considering album 10. Uh, whilst I understand the lineage that Thrice has carved, evolving from that like straight-laced, post-hardcore sound to one of the more like experimental rock bands that are going, and as I think for that, they no longer are needing to go down that hardcore route anymore because sound they've carved is just so expansive for me they've got the hits like i said um image of the inv the image of the something and uh come all you weary and i like i said i really really enjoyed to be everywhere's to be nowhere and apparently that's now my go-to for a post reunion thrice which I'm alright with this. Palms just doesn't do it for me in the same way to be everywhere is. I think because it does go a bit more the experimental route and without knowing too much about that back catalogue it's just that could very well be what Thrice fans go for that like weird poppy backing to their album but for me I thought to be everywhere is a little bit more straightforward rock and yeah that's my go to and because it, obviously, with Thrice being the big band, haven't got any for fans of. But if you do like the sort of, it's not overtly heavy. It's, it's, it's a grown-up rock sound. I think is a really good way of describing it. That can, that does go into like the more pop and mainstream side of things quite a bit. So that's my take on Palms by Thrice. It is album ten. And hopefully next week we will have some albums out from the new year. Because I just I just got three 
thinking oh, for next week will be sorted. However, I've just realised two of those albums were released at some point in 2018. One of them, I think, was July. So, that's fun for me. So, going to move on to now to a segment that I've talked about a bit. Um, it's I'm calling it Open Mic, purely because it's literally the closest thing to Clever I could think of. Basically, what it is, is a chance for myself to talk about an album from the past and with that you can have everything that came up that built up to the album and everything that came afterwards and although this week and probably for the next few weeks it well next few sessions it will be a rock album or a metal album or whatever this segment is completely open to anyone listening to kind of request or suggest bands for themselves and it can be from any artist from any genre like alternative or otherwise from any time zone or wherever it's just the chance to really like look back and look at i guess the legacy of uh like the music of the past and so yeah between this and big question which is what i'll do next week which i'll go into more detail next week there will be there'll be alternating so yeah, open mic this week, big question next, then open mic, big, open, big, blah, deep, deep, blah. Oh, I. This must sound horrible for me to keep punching the fucking pop pop shield. But that's what I get for doing it on a small computer. Um, so, yeah, for the very first uh, edition of the open mic, I've gone for the second and potentially last album from the Canadian stoner rock band Priestess. It is called Prior to the Fire. And Priestess as a band, they had a, we'll call it a bumpy style. So they came from various different bands. The lead vocalist, uh, Mikey Hepner, came from a punk band called The Dropouts, if my memory lasts, which it very rarely does, but we'll, we'll go for it. And when they changed the name, they, he finally got this group of musicians together and they thought, let's have a name change. They went with Priestess, stuck obs. Um... But yeah, initially people thought they were an all-female Judas Priest cover band. Which I understand, because when I went looking for the band just to find out a little bit more about them, when I put them in, when I put the word Priestess band into Google, I think one of the responses I got was Judas Priestess, the all-female Judas Priest cover band. It's understandable. Um, when you look at a picture of the band, maybe not so, but whatever. Uh, and initially when they had... The first release of the debut album, Hello Master. Critics kind of attacked the classic rock sounds with. It's a fucking million miles away of what everyone did for Greta Van Fleet, but whatever. And the best, like, quote I could find, or best, like, opinion I could find, I should say, was that they were merely paying homage to the, like, bygone classic rock sound and not trying to craft their own unique identity bearing in mind Greta Van Fleet now exists um, nevertheless critics and uh, peer music and like general music fans picked up the album more following its 20, um, 26, 2006 re-release I can't believe I've just said 26 for 2006 um yeah, it got re-released for like um it's initially was just released in Canada. They got a uh secondary distributor who was gonna do it to like put it in America and eventually Europe and just FRS in between. And they ended up getting a huge new fan base following the inclusion of Lay Down on Guitar Hero 3. It's one of my personal favourite songs on the game. And it is where I found the band. I'll happily say the reason why I know about Priestess and I know about Prize of the Fire is because Lay Down was on Guitar Hero 3. And I fucking love that song. And the game. Spent way too much of my first year of university playing it though. And second year. Not the point. And they also had um, Run Home was on a film. I can't remember what the film was called but I remember it was. And I Am The Night Coming Black, I think, was on a couple of NHL games. So, around about 2006-2007, they were game-featured on a lot of video games. 
and so they were getting a lot more attention uh, they even got taken out on tour with motorhead and in the midst of this touring cycle they began work on what would eventually become prior to the fire and during this like writing process vocalist guitarist mikey hepner began introducing his bandmates to all the uh prog rock music he listened to when he was a kid initially he thought like his bandmates were going to hate it because they were all like stoner worship at the altar of black sabbath kind of and led zeppelin kind of dudes fair game it's everyone each to their own but they all like were proper into it so they wanted to put more of this prog rock sound into the second album problem was the album again was marred by just all different kinds of bad luck uh this is due in part to the excessive touring of hello master because they toured that album to buggery and they had a lot of disputes with the distributor as to what was and wasn't acceptable to the point where the distributor rca initially refused to release the album thinking it wasn't going to be commercial enough they didn't see a radio friendly song or they didn't see how it could get a mainstream audience bear in mind when you when a, a production company releases an album they need to be sure that they're going to get money back off of it and in a very rare term of events they actually allowed Precess to release the album on another label so basically in the end they Precess now have like no ill will against rca because rca basically funded this album they funded prior to the fire Albeit they didn't release it, but they funded it and let them take all the money they just put into this album and release it somewhere else. So it is in that one in this one album you've got both ends of the good and bad sign of a production company. And yes, yeah, so eventually came Prior to the Fire. It got delayed by about a year, and it is an absolute riff-heavy tour de force. I cannot state how much I love this album. For a style of music that I never usually go for, I'm not. A, I cannot consider my fan of like the stone rock movement outside the main ones. Obviously, like uh, Queens of the Stone Age, you don't even do stone rock that much anymore. Uh, I can't actually go beyond that. The only so I can't say there's an album. It's more it was just like the odd song here and there from like um, you need uh, and guys who did Mississippi. Um, Five, five. Sorry, Johnson, something like that. It is very like Deacon Tale. It's very much a case of little songs here and there, never the whole genre. But this, it's psychedelic backed stone metal, and it does go into like the prog rock world at times. The opening of the entire album is this feedback twin riff that eventually leads into uh, what is part of the song "Lady Killer." And the entire way through it is just like massive galloping risk going all the way through. They, everything that they got slagged off for for Hello Master, they continue to do so good in this album where they, where the influences and everything that they've grown up with on their sleeve. So you've got maiden quality melodies and sideways attack and raccoon eyes. Um, excuse me. Uh, the Firebird sounds like the song Black Sabbath were waiting for. 30 years to write um and like it does cover like it you can see where they were fans of like maiden black sabbath um zeppelin etc the core like the absolute peak of this album is the vocalist mikey hepner he is on absolute top form for the entire album but on a song like it baffles the mind his vocals on the chorus they're so fucking powerful and from like my limited knowledge of like the stone rock world it's so difficult to find a vocalist with this level of i don't know i was gonna say anything wrong with this level of power and this level of stability because he doesn't really like a lot of people trying to go for those like big soaring vocals do tend to warble a little warble a little bit fucking hepner doesn't he fucking nails every last note to this album. And the absolute peak. The best this album can get. And I don't know. For this song alone. I don't know why. 
people don't listen to him more is there is an eight minute song on a stoner rock album called The Gem. It is, although it's a stoner rock album, this is prog metal at its absolute finest. This is a juggernaut. It is a mashup of uh, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, pretty much the entire new wave of British heavy metal scene melded into a song. It starts as um, like a dual guitar harmonies that goes on for about a minute or so goes into literally like galloping on the drums galloping on the rhythm section it's just a big like and graduating gradually increasing tempo into like the main um, like sing sung verses at which point Hetner just like power through like the um, Kool-Aid guy and all those American TV shows and family guy which needs so much about just smashes through the wall and again can't understate how much how good he is on this album and everything sort of like winds down a bit and it is just like very calm eclectic part where it's just a like fairly clean guitar a little bit and then eventually like more and more instruments come in so it's a little bit of drums a little bit of bass here, there, and everywhere, and the whole thing just erupts again into the big, massive finale. And in a year that had Cracked Sky, Great Britain, No Time to Bleed, Endgame, uh, Libris for Aladar, The Gem may be, or may have been, I should say, the song of 2009. Uh, I don't know where I got 2011 from earlier. Yeah, it is just... And to follow, he then they then follow the, um, the gem with communicating via eyes, and just the way it flows from the ending sequence of the gem into like a quiet starting, communicating via eyes, and then it picks up again. Everything on this album flows just so well. Everything just perfectly timed and complements the previous song, which then complements the next song, which then complements the previous song. It is just fantastic. And you just want to keep going over and over again. Like I have for the past 10 years. After the album was released. And as good as it was. It's been damn near silence. From Priestess. And they were meant to play Roadburn Festival in 2012. They suddenly said we can't do it anymore. And just dropped out the, the lineup. And from about 2012, outside of um, the guy saying, oh, we're in new bands now, or like here's some old demos from Price of the Fire Day, so they had released a song called Dweller and something else, it's been pretty much silent. Uh, Hetner said at the time, the band lacked confidence in the material that had been recorded for the third album, and they were going to go back to silent again. And yeah, it's... I think officially they are classes on hold because no one has really heard anything. It was just going to be a case of we're going to come back when we come back. Um, in the years since, Hepner formed a garage rock band called UBT, which I think have already split up. Uh, drummer Vince Nudo briefly joined Kurt Vile and the Violators and also formed... Uh, really hope I pronounce this again. Lots of foreign languages this week. Freres Lumineers? No, Lumineers. Uh, which is, uh, I, I know for a fact I butchered that. It's a form, film scoring group which he started with Priestess guitarist Dan Watchorn. And eventually, and finally bases Mike Dybal joined the metal outfit Wet Metal, which is a terrible name for a band. I'm sorry, Michael. And that's that was the story of Price of the Fire. They to say they like had rough beginnings would be, I think, pretty accurate. The critics panned them for the exact same thing bands are doing now. They like labels were saying they weren't good enough, even though they had fucking Hello Master were on games and movies here, there, and everywhere. Then labels just said, actually, we don't care about how successful you are. We don't want you to, like, we want you to so sort of sound more towards a buying audience, not what you want to do. They released this fucking epic in Prize of the Fire and then just 
nothing. It's a massive shame, absolutely, but as someone who's had like some of the most favourite bands of recent memory break up, I am very much understanding that the music industry is one full of bad luck and dickheads. If you are, if you're interested in Pride to the Fire, you like that sort of like progressive stone rock sound that I've been describing. It is absolutely an album for you if you are a fan of Mastodon, particularly the like more like more recent stuff. So Once More Around the Sun, The Hunter, the album that I can never remember that came in between those two. That came afterwards, came out recently. Uh, nope, can't remember it. But yeah, more Latter Day Mastodon stuff. Uh, Red Fang, The Sword. I kept seeing people compare the Precess to The Sword. I thought, nah, no way. Went back and listened to um, a Sword album. I was like, yep, yep, yep. They are like distant cousins. Quite, quite yeah. That's a, it's a good comparison. So yeah, Mastodon, Red Fang, The Sword, any of them. I think you'll fucking love Priestess if you haven't heard it already. And that, my dear children, was Desolation Sounds for this week. Again, stammers and mic punches and squeaky chairs galore. We'll be back next week with Big Question, first time I'm doing that. And it will be centered around a question I haven't decided yet and just trying to find uh, an album or an artist to sort of like fit that mold. It will be going on all the social media so you can join in the conversation as well. But until next time, I hope you have a lovely week or just not shit one. And I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.